0: We are back, as usual, the High Tech Podcast, your hosts, William and J Baby Josh.
1: Ooh There's my nickname. We did us. it. Look at that. Aww, I don't know. Man. I felt like
0: I had to throw the Josh in there because now we've got like J Babies plural. But Yeah,
1: yeah. For those of you who did not listen to the last episode before this one, we talked about uh some nicknames uh j baby justin uh our guest that was on um, which by the way if you didn't listen to the episode before this uh stop what you're doing now and go listen and go listen to that one because this is a part of a series but we'll talk about that in a second
0: uh as usual before we dig in folks we want to make sure that you have the opportunity to connect with us and continue to share the podcast out we do this as a hobby we do this as a, as a passion we want this to be helpful for folks so please 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 do uh follow us on twitter at high tech podcast um, head over to our website, hightechpod.us. Connect with us in those spaces. We have resources there. But most importantly, I'm going to cue Josh up. I think he likes to do this on his Ooh. ones, but I'm going to make sure we get one on this one too. I just, I'm just uh, going to yeah. ask. Yeah, I
1: mean, I feel like we've done them across the board. If yeah.
0: you are listening today, head over to your favorite email service—Outlook, Gmail, Mozilla Fire, whatever, Thunderbird—and send us an email at, <laughs> at the inbox at hightechpod.us with a picture of a
1: who um he had a moment to think too he didn't have it like i know i oh. had a moment but i've been using it a lot a parrot a parrot a parrot a parrot this episode's animal is a parrot <laughs> so if you listen to this episode go uh email us at pod. Got us. <laughs> Got us. There we go. <laughs> and I
0: feel. I feel like this is becoming like the Sesame Street. Like today's the episode for or the today's
1: letter of the ep- day or whatever is yeah. K. It's a th- it's a thing. Yeah. So send us send us a parrot. No other context. It's fine. We'll know. We'll know that you were listening to the second episode in the accelerated series in season two of the high tech podcast. I'm waiting for so the weeks. Make sure you send that. Where over. these
0: episodes start publishing. And we, if it's like just for the first person to
1: actually do I'm going to be super so sad excited. if we don't get any animals during this entire bent of doing this. We'll see. I'm going to keep this up. You, you watch till the end of season two. I'm going to get somebody to email we some darn picture of an animal. Yeah. It's going to be a commitment. That's, anyway. that's
0: great. So, uh, we, Will, what's going on this, this episode? In our second episode of the Accelerated Learning series, uh, we are connecting with yes. a student. Today, we're going to hear from my sister in law. Casey Bonner, uh, she is one of my favorite people in the world, right? It's nice that she's family. I got lucky that way. But uh, she yeah. is in a master's degree that is an accelerated learning program. We're going to get some more of the details of her and that background, right, in just a moment. But uh, that's 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 exciting to me because I've had plenty of conversations with her you know when something went wrong when she's had an, a difficult you know co colleague in a class or something like we get text messages i've talked to her plenty of times and that's that's even how this idea came up right josh weren't we all yeah at like uh a... she
1: is the one who spawned the series yeah like the, the accelerated series that we're in um kind of spawned it so if you didn't get a chance to listen to the episode before this i'll make that plug make sure to pause this and go back and listen we talk with another friend of ours justin about what we mean by accelerated learning and kind of just in general some of the difficulties from a design and teaching perspective. Um, but uh, excited in this episode to uh, sit down with Casey and talk through the student perspective um, as somebody who's been going through the program. And I think uh, we'll start to see some of her intentions of why she joined yep. this program and where it maybe hasn't quite met her expectations. Um, would be the nice way of putting it. I think so diplomatic. We'll we'll see. I love it. Yeah, it it was very diplomatic. It was good.
0: (laughs) All right, folks, let's tune in here and hear what Casey's got to drop from the uh, student perspective. Welcome, folks, to another episode of the High Tech Podcast. This is, again, in Season 2, a time where you might be thinking, what is happening to Will? I had a sickness coming into 2022, and my voice was a little bit different then, but today... It's actually the best possible reason that I might sound weird. We have a guest, and I have a guest in my physical room with me.
1: There's somebody there. It's not just your face. It's not
0: just me and Josh today. We've had some other guests this year in Season 2, but today I am so thrilled to have my sister-in-law, Casey Bonner, with us. Say hi, Casey. Hello. You've joined us today to talk about... One of our favorite subjects. This is something that comes up during dinner all the time. We um, enjoy conversations about this, uh, you know, over games and things like that. The accelerated mm-hmm. learning programs. Casey is currently a student in a master's degree pro- uh, program for nonprofit leadership, mm-hmm. and you've been in it how fa- how long so far?
2: I started in January of 2020, and I am hopefully Wrapping up the program, summer
0: 2022. So uh, Casey's talked to me time and time again about what it's been like to be in discussion forums, how things are going (sighs) with different faculty, when courses open
1: up on time, and when they don't. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) That that never never happens. I would argue that actually Casey is what inspired the series. The series came up. We were at the cabin talking with Casey. That's the reason the series ended up on our list. Um, yes. So yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: were you in a were you in a course? Or you just finished a course when we were when we did that little vacation. It was October or something. October.
2: So I would have been in a course.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's 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 amazing. Casey comes and she shows up at anything. She still comes to theater shows. We go on vacations. But her laptop is like tied to her. Yes. You, you don't get away from it ever.
2: Yeah. It's you know. One of the great things about accelerated learning is that you can hopefully complete a degree program in a few short years, but it also means you get no breaks and there's zero downtime and it just completely takes over your life for two or more years.
0: Okay. So on our show notes, I'm just going to check off real quick pros,
2: the first pro and
0: and maybe the last pro is done. We don't necessarily uh, have an, a hard agenda for today, but we do want to make sure that as we're addressing accelerated learning programs, uh, Josh and I, you know, are both um, participants, recipients. I, sure. I don't know what, I mean, would what the we're talking right about. I
1: would call it seasoned accelerated learners. Maybe do we go that yeah. direction? At least that's what I feel like. I feel like I've been through the gambit and now on the back end of like designing them and uh, making them run. Right.
0: We're going to try our best to remember the fact that this is an episode in a series of episodes. You've heard some of our opinions on this in episode to episode, but forgive us. There's going to be repeats from Josh and I.
1: Now, I think, let's jump into into the meat of things. Okay? Because I feel like that's my first like questions that we had, you answered most of them in your intro to who you are and what program you're in. So, um, <laughs> yeah, please just
2: tell me if I'm talking too much. Too no, much you're detail. good. I, that I is, that there
1: is never <laughs> enough detail in the high-tech podcast, unless it goes over an hour, then that's too much detail.
2: Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> Got it.
1: but uh, so in those courses, let's, let's talk about what your experience was. So how many, how many courses have you taken so far? I guess this is one of the first questions I have. Yeah.
2: I have completed nine classes. I am currently taking my tenth and final regular class in the program. Okay. All of the classes are eight weeks long, all online. Okay. Wow.
0: So you've never been like maybe you've gone to campus for? No, like, I haven't you've never been to campus.
2: No, they the program is designed for you to never have to step foot on campus. Cool. Okay. Which
1: makes sense. At least for an online are program. The- are there yeah. any
0: options? Is it all eight, or are there any ten week, twelve week courses? Or no,
2: it's all eight. Yep. Okay. Every it's single all... class is always going to be eight weeks. The only "quote unquote" class that is not eight weeks is your final capstone project, your thesis project, and that is supposed to be like a standard sixteen week semester, okay. and that's the last thing you do to finish out the program.
1: Yeah, and that makes that makes sense. Um, now what let's let's just jump into this what have been your experiences in those courses like let's go from like day one to now what what are some of the more i guess memorable experiences both bad and good let's, let's just <laughs> let you just go go ham whatever whatever you have for these courses what has been your experience
2: go ham <laughs> I, that's such a Throwback phrase, Josh. I love it.
1: (laughs) I've been using it lately. I'm trying to bring it back. You know, I feel like it needs to be a new phrase. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I think you're showing your age. Millennials (laughs) all the way. (laughs) Um, Wow, I've had such a variety of experience in my classes. Um, Good experiences. I would say for the most part, my classmates are really good. And they are... Committed, dedicated, they want to be there. Most of the people um, in the NPL, the Nonprofit Leadership Program, they are actively working in the nonprofit sector and there is a lot of common ground with them. They're smart and they really are giving and investing into the classes. There's been a handful of people, not so much. Um,
0: (laughs) There's one person that we all hear about, no names, but there's one person in uh, sibling text thread, right? I mentioned Casey's my sister-in-law. We hear about this person uh, regrettably almost too often. Like every course, every other course you've had one person that, you know, like doesn't do anything.
2: Yeah, I have one classmate that I've taken the majority of my classes with. And I don't understand how this person is still in the program and how they may end up graduating with the same degree that I will.
0: Josh and I know.
2: How. <laughs> jo- Josh
1: and I understand. <laughs> oh, I why I know that how. Person's in yeah, I know that. Yes. I know what happens on the back end. Yeah, I
2: know how. <laughs> yeah. So that has definitely been a frustrating aspect because it's very clear that there are some people that go through this program, they get the same degree as me or my other dedicated classmates, and they don't do the work. They hardly show up for any, you know, live Zoom calls we might have in the class. They don't post on the discussion boards. Um, If there's a group project involved, they don't uh, do anything for the group project. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so that's that's irritating. But that happened in my bachelor's degree program. I know that's, you know, that's a thing just in education across the board, uh, particularly higher ed where kind of poor students are just pushed through. Um, yeah, it's that is frustrating. Yep. But,
0: go, no, ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead.
2: Oh, okay. No, you go ahead. So <laughs> no, you go
0: ahead.
2: <laughs> yeah, so for the most part, my classmates have been great. Okay. And I enjoy working with them. Um, my professors have varied widely. Like, all, I would say all of them are credentialed and they have a good amount of experience.
0: Experts. Yes. Yeah, experts. yeah.
2: Like they, most of them have been working in the nonprofit sector for a long time. A lot of them have, you know, multiple higher ed degrees, masters, PhDs. Um, if they don't have a, a super high level education degree, they've been doing their specified thing, you know, marketing or strategic planning for 30 years. So, like, they have a lot of practical job experience, but that doesn't mean that they know how to teach (laughs) that experience. That's absurd. That's ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, this is something you guys have (laughs) talked about on this podcast before a little bit. So... I know you guys get it. I'm sure your listeners get it. Um, (laughs) But that can be a really frustrating experience as a student, knowing that your professor has all of this great experience and they're not given training or support or whatever needs to happen at the university level in their department to show them how to communicate that experience well to students. And teach, yeah, like,
0: yeah, like the idea there being that if they were full time faculty in a millions of dollars kind of program that has so many resources and there's two teachers for every course and whatever, like, they might all be of a higher teaching yeah. capability because there's just more funds in there, there's more time, there's more yeah. resources. But if I recall. Your program is mainly adjuncts, right? Like you don't have many full time faculty yeah. on your.
2: It's all adjuncts. I mean, Isn't it just I know like
0: one full time or something.
2: Yeah, so the director of the program also teaches classes in the program, and I've had her as a professor for I think this. She's my professor for my current class, and I think this will be the, my third class with her at least. Hmm. Um, so she does teach a number of classes in the program, and she's the overall director of the NPL program. Um, but all of my other professors have been adjuncts. I mean, they, they straight up tell us that, <laughs> <laughs> that they've been teaching this one course in this program at this university for eight years wow. or 10 years or wow, some of them like that's 15 years. Adjuncts.
1: That's yeah. usually adjunct turnover is a lot quicker than that. Um Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's well, stunning. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's and well and that doesn't surprise me for a program like this. From just from the higher ed standpoint, it mm. wouldn't like I don't know. Will your mind's probably already going there too. I don't know how you would sustain a program like this without having pretty heavy <laughs> adjunct usage. Like because a lot of right. you're not gonna have a lot of like professional faculty members who have that background. You're gonna have a lot more people who are from that world and your who are kinda of doing teaching on the side.
0: Your experts in leadership are generally leading something. Yeah, if they're they're, not, they're they're busy. Experts in
1: leadership. They read like four books on leadership, and now they're a faculty member teaching leadership.
0: Nobody's (laughs) ever done that.
1: What are you talking about? That's absurd. That never happens.
2: Yeah, so that's been kind of one of the frustrating aspects. Is I've had a few professors that have handled that really well, and it's clear that they love teaching the class. They've been doing it for years. This, this is the one class that they come in and teach every other semester, every semester, you know, right. whenever there's enough students to run the class. But they are also running their own company or they're uh, an ED of a nonprofit somewhere. They might be recently retired. Um, ED being executive,
0: executive director. Executive
2: director. Yes. Yes, executive director, basically CEO of a nonprofit. Um, so they, they have all this great experience, and there's a few that are – really good, and they explain things really well, they take time to actually teach, and it's clear they're still balancing their personal life and their day job and other responsibilities, along with investing a good amount of time into teaching this eight-week class. I would say that's the exception and not the rule of my experience. The Most of my teachers have, in, you know, kind of indirect ways told students that this class isn't a priority for them and that they come in um they come in every other semester and they teach this class it's and a hobby it, yeah yeah like it's and because they've been teaching it for so long they just have their formula for the class that they developed six years ago and they just keep Uploading the same modules into the new Canvas classroom for every single class iteration that they teach. Yeah. 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 Just copy and paste. Maybe they update a couple of articles here and there. Um, But yeah, the amount of like textbooks and articles, like content that I have been required to read for classes that are from like the mid to late 2000s is astonishing. Like there's, there's things that are working at a much faster pace in this world and in the nonprofit world, um, than two thousand eight.
0: Right. Oh yeah. I mean, the technology available even to nonprofits. Yeah. The fact that like it's you can get f- free software for nonprofits now is yes. probably not as consistent as it was in, in two thousand eight. Yeah. I
1: don't know what you're talking about. Two thousand eight was the heyday. For, for nonprofits. <laughs> That was clearly the, the, like everything peaked then and it's just been downhill since 2008.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems like some of my professors are still dealing with trauma and PTSD from 2008 because that's when the economy tanked, sure. the housing sector, and it was rough for the nonprofit sector. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I understand that history, but... There's, there's been a lot of focus on stuff that happened 20 or 30 years ago. And I would have liked to have spent a little bit more time discussing and investigating and researching what's currently happening in the sector or what, you know, what new ideas and methods are being put forth for program development, for um, fundraising. Fundraising changes So much year to year. And particularly with the pandemic, I mean, everything has changed. It's I'm not sure if I took this degree program at a really good time or a bad time (laughs) in history because I took one class before the pandemic hit. So my first class ended literally the day that the world shut down oh
0: my gosh that's right wow you were finishing that course when we were in texas weren't you around that time frame
2: yeah so everyone's life has just been turned upside down since then so i've tried to have a lot of like grace and understanding for all of my classmates all of my teachers because we know how ridiculous the past two years have been for everyone um and all of the stress and anxiety that everyone's been experiencing. So obviously, that's going to impact how you teach an online course.
0: But nonetheless, the, the pros you've Kind of going through of like the uh, convenience that having like professionals, like your peers or professionals, and like, those are pretty consistent. Those were my experiences. Yeah, um, but also your cons were still my experiences because I did a, I did a, I did an online master's degree from 2016 to 2018, and it wasn't necessarily completely uh, accelerated, but I did summer courses that were accelerated. So okay. I did normal like semester long courses in the spring and the fall, but every summer I did eight. 10 and I maybe I think I did one 12 week course and so like in those ones where it was accelerated I felt like the same thing at least I had my professionals it was moving pretty well I didn't think the pace was too bad for the summer you know what I mean yeah. at least I at that time I was working higher education so summer is a little less busy for everybody Um but you know yes COVID happened but so far nothing you said shocked yeah. either of us I yeah think.
1: nothing is this sounds and I, I will say because I have kind of a couple follow-up questions but I will say like it's yeah it's it's standard i've like i experienced the same thing like it was very much like yeah professional. what were your no, course lengths? now no, mine, mine was six weeks um not eight weeks oh my so God. yes uh there's a reason How? like uh, said institution is transitioning uh from six yeah. to eight um so i won't get too deep into that but anyway uh <laughs> so six weeks um and that, that was my experience i think was similar is that like i would have professors that now the professor thing was a little bit different because in my field, there's like you you can't have a lot more faculty at our institution who fit that area. So we did have a lot of faculty teaching, but we did have adjuncts. Anytime we did have adjuncts, it was a similar experience. Like it was like they sort of knew the content that was in there. They were but like my issue was that we had like a face to face residency, and what would often happen is that our faculty members would um kind of treat that face-to-face residency like that was the real class and like the the rest of the class wasn't and so you'd get a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. in that face-to-face residency they could be week three of six weeks um or week four and all of a sudden i'm finding out new things about the stuff that we're supposed to be doing it wasn't put into the content um so anyway like just that like disjointed sometimes kind of like hobbyist vibe i i definitely see in other places, but I've seen it in the accelerated type of learning programs uh, a good bit. Your
0: Your degree was special, though, in the sense you had to do like was it seventy two or 80, 90 credits? Like you did a lot. Yeah, I did it was a, a master's of divinity. It was,
1: it was a master's of divinity, so I, I did seventy two. Well, I guess wow. till my second degree was over, it was up in the nineties. But the it, wow. it was supposed to be seventy two credits, um, but I finished wow. like ninety something credits. I think in but three that's and a half years, with a
0: six four years. With with the six-week module is the only way you could accomplish that in any sort of... Oh, yeah, time. no, it would have been much longer. You couldn't do, yeah. even Even eight it, yeah. weeks is going to push that kind of degree into a three- oh, yeah, and four-year program.
1: Yeah.
2: Wow, six weeks. I just... I can't even imagine that because I... I don't even think that the eight-week model works well and is actually conducive <laughs> to learning. Um... <laughs> I just and the, and the knife I mean, just got I, thrown into the program. No, I just Yeah, kidding. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be I'm going to be honest on here and this is not I'm not trying to like throw any specific professors under the bus no, right, or the right. yeah, or yeah, a specific yeah. university under the bus. I know this is widespread across higher ed and I just feel like I I barely scrape the surface of a topic in a class in eight weeks, and then it's done. And like the long term memory and understanding and recall of information, it does not last. I I mean, thankfully, in in my program, we're not taking a whole bunch of quizzes and tests. Like I haven't had a test at all. In okay. this program, yeah. it is very, very focused on writing assignments. Yeah, it's mostly writing assignments. Every week, there's discussion board requirements. There are papers frequently. Some some presentations. There was a group project assignment in almost every single class. Like maybe two or three classes did not have a group project, and if there wasn't a group project, there was some sort of big solo final paper yeah. thing that you had to put together. There was one class where you had to create like a big solo final presentation of research. Uh, it was it was basically a research project that you had done and you had to present it to the class live on Zoom. Um, I think that's the teacher prefers that type of stuff because I had that teacher for more than one class and... She chose those types of assignments in every class that she taught. Um, And other teachers just seemed to like the group project method. I have always hated group classes. Oh, my God. The group projects in my entire education career, just not great. Not good experiences.
0: Well, and hey, they weren't that great in bachelor's degrees and undergrad yeah, you know, uh, either, oh, right? Yeah. Like,
1: if they're done right, well, I... they're done really well. But most group projects are not, or there's some kind of faulty thing to them. And they were—they're always just struggling in an online program because, like, they will trying to connect with students in online programs, in that way, unless very mm-hmm. intentional and very like supported, is is difficult um, to do.
2: Yeah. Yep. A lot of like Zoom calls with the classmates that I was assigned to be in the project with, just trying to like meet each other, quote unquote, yeah. a little bit, get to know each other a little bit. Um, I can see how a group project would work. I I understand the reasoning behind them and the valuable things that they can teach you. You know, you have to learn how to work well with other people. Yeah. Uh, life is Sorta. one big group project, but I do that in my day job, <laughs> Right. So, you know, as a as a working professional that's taking a master's degree on the side outside of my 9 to 5 job, I don't want to do any more group projects. It's exhausting. I'm tapped out. And specifically in the 8 week model, it is so unrealistic.
0: That's it for me. Like I'm okay with group projects. I love them too. I yeah. you know, we know the pedagogy theory and theory on why but in eight weeks, a you can't get to know each other and get each other's style well, yes. or capitalize on each other's strengths because there's no time to. Usually, those group projects too are either introduced in week one, you're supposed to do it the whole semester, or you get it like in week six and have to do it by week eight. Like there's it's it's never yeah. done really well where you you know you've got a good amount of time to work on it, but there's not enough time to make them to to make them. I think big enough scale to get something good done with enough time for folks to take the small steps to get there. Like yeah. you have to just, you have to sprint through every single step to get it done in the six weeks or eight weeks that you're doing the course in, which
2: absolutely, I think
0: that's the, ch- the biggest challenge with group work.
2: Yeah, because you really do the bulk of the work on that project within, you know, the second half of the class. So yeah. you're really doing this group project in like three to four or weeks, papers
0: or other stuff at the end yes. of the class, right? Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Most of my classes that had a group project also had other larger final solo projects that were also due, and everything is due on the same day on the last day of class. <laughs> Saturday at eleven fifty
0: nine p.m. or whatever yeah, it is.
1: Yeah,
2: that's no, crazy. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I, I, and
1: this is going to come out through this series as you're listening to this interview too as well like the this concept of like what can be learned in those in those eight weeks uh and or six or whatever it is because some other accelerated pro it's more commonly eight weeks i think across the board across accelerated but some will do slightly different um but like just this idea of like trying to get anything done in those eight weeks or that six weeks becomes very difficult. Now, my my hot take is going to be this. And for those who want the break the fourth wall thing, you're going to hear this throughout the episode, but this is actually our first <laughs> episode of recording in the series. So uh, <laughs> episode one is actually being recorded later. So uh, fourth wall break. Uh, so this is the first time I get to say it, but you're going to hear it multiple times. I think the biggest issue, if I could argue, biggest issue down to the core in Accelerated series is that we don't adjust learning outcomes at all when tackling accelerated programs and so like to your point to your point casey everybody says the same thing they're like it's impossible to learn something in that period of time and i think my hot take is usually well i think it's possible but we never adjust the learning outcomes so we take learning outcomes from a 14 Mm. to 16 week course and we say okay condense it well, the, when you yes. condense it, the reflective process, especially in learning, becomes very difficult to do. Like there, there's not time to reflect because when you're done with week one, you need to get into the next content because if you don't get into the next content, you're not going to get there. They're going to get behind and they're not going to reach those outcomes. Yeah. Because those yeah, outcomes were so designed for 14-week course.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. And the university... As a whole, you know, when I, I remember when I was first getting involved in the program and you know going through the application and the whole registration period thing for the first time, I was I was straight up told that these courses were designed to be full semester courses. Ouch! And <laughs> they even told they you? are being, yes, like yeah. that's how yeah, it was I mean, described to me. It. They it was described to me as this is going to be intense. You are going to hate your life, basically, <laughs> for two in- years. Great You're marketing. supposed to be able to complete this program in two years, but that's actually not realistic, but we're not really going to tell you that. Um, and these are, you know, what you would normally do in a full semester class. You're just going to do it in eight weeks instead. Yeah. Okay, great. Have fun.
1: Yeah. It's going to be a
2: great experience. Yeah. I don't... I don't know if it's going to be worth it. Like what I will have learned and what I will remember, you know, two years post finishing this degree, what am I going to have learned and taken away from me and have uh, have internalized and be using in my day-to-day professional life? And is that going to have been worth 35 to $40,000? Yeah. Before yeah, fees.
0: <laughs> for taxes like, just
2: yeah. the tuition is thirty thousand dollars
0: josh when you started your <laughs> master's degree what year was that do you remember
1: uh 20 17 18 16 probably 17? was it 16 yeah we... i think it was 16 maybe I don't know. So to be we honest, it seems ours... like it was forever ago. I don't remember. It's, it's right. it was, it was pre COVID. So it basically means <laughs> like it was 80 years ago. Um... <laughs>
0: when I started mine, I started mine after a big, uh, life event and a lot of things were happening in that time in my life, but it was like a grieving process for me. And so I started my master's degree doing like four jobs. You know, I was contracting, I had my full-time job, I was teaching martial arts, I was doing a whole bunch, and I I, I don't remember, I was, yeah. And, uh, you know, I was just digging and digging and doing as much as I could, and by the time I finished my master's degree, two years later, I had one job, no hobbies. I used to, we stopped seeing friends, I wasn't playing video games, right? My wife, you know, at that time, uh, Casey's sister, said... I'm, I'm a, I'm a master's degree widow, you know, I'm a, col- I'm, a I'm a, you know, studies widow. And then yeah. Josh, I remember this too. His wife felt this. Oh web. yeah.
1: I mean, I was, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> and know, it must've like, been 2017 because I started the year after you had started. I think you started yeah. your master's program a year before I did. And then I ended up because I got, I graduated a year after you did due to delays right. and, and band life. And uh, so I remember not wanting to go back to school for a little while. And I was like, well, I guess I should um you know and because in similar situations i was in the church world at that point and like if you wanted to do anything to a certain level it's that's been a long-standing thing in the church world for a while which is this mdiv master's degree program so yeah. Yeah. um yeah no and it, it was the same deal i mean i was basically and i was even working like a full-time job the only reason i was able to finish within the prime time that they thought i should be able to is because I was working basically... Well, I was doing full-time hours, but being paid part-time at church to work. Right. And so, like... Sure. Yep. But it That's gave me more... I had common. more flexibility. So I was able to, like, hammer away. But yes, I basically would come home in the evening and, like, not see the world. Like, it was basically, like, sit down at yeah. my computer and work on reading the insane amount of pages I had to read or respond to this discussion post or write this paper. Like, yep. um, yeah. And, and I have I have mixed feelings towards that program you know casey i don't i hope at the end you get to your program you go well maybe some of it was worth it (laughs) because i think that's where i don't know well where you're at but like that's where i was at like it's i don't think the program was entirely bad i chose to do the accelerated method i got done faster because of that um so like i appreciated that i also appreciated like i did learn some things but i'll tell you what i did not retain learning greek or hebrew in six weeks like that i did not retain well um so (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> what you you didn't learn a whole other language in six weeks
1: technically it was 12 weeks because there were two parts to that to that set of courses
2: oh my goodness um
1: but yeah it's just uh I, I had mixed feelings. so either way it's a it's a ton of to your point casey it's a ton of effort and energy that goes into that and you are committing a lot of your your life to finishing whatever that degree looks like because of the amount that you're trying to get done that fast and i think to your point of what you're mm. saying and well you you'd agree with this that like that's also part of the reason you're not retaining and learning things a bunch because you're stressed you're trying to yeah. Pump out a ton of content really quickly. Yeah. I mean, you're dealing I don't know what your experience was, but I was like dealing with large like topics about like leadership and having to write them yeah. in like four pages in a week. Uh, like the and, name uh, of my some... program is
2: nonprofit leadership. <laughs> yeah, so I assume... like every single class has involved those those concepts yeah. of how to be a good leader. Um Uh, Which, I mean, that has been one good like through line in my program Hmm. is that there are some core concepts that have been repeated in almost every class because it is just applicable across whatever niche thing you might be doing in the nonprofit sector. Right. Um, it still applies to that. So there are some fundamental concepts that I feel like I have gotten mm-hmm. a lot of repetitive time to process and and think through and that I will retain those concepts the most after the program.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and those are the things I wonder, even remember from my bachelor's degree and from master's degree. Like, there's definitely things that I wish I'd known more or theories I, I remember better or whatever, like the facts of it all but at some level, like I didn't come out empty handed. It, it was useful. Um, and I, I think that like my degree, at least I was, and, and this is probably true of you too. Like I was practicing, all of us probably, we were practicing what we were doing at least, you mm-hmm. know, it was like, it, some days it's like, ah, mm-hmm. I did this in work anyways, but I know in my master's degree, there were sometimes like, Oh, a project I'm doing at work. I think I'm going to do that for my school project. And then the corollary, like, Oh, this is a really cool school project. I'm going to use some of these skills over here in this. And that was one thing that I, like, at least got some sandbox time mm. through school to try things that I might not have been allowed to do at work. Like, I, you know, we didn't have a budget for. I got software from my school that I was allowed to use that I didn't have access to at work either Times So there's yeah. there's some yeah. things that I found that that was beneficial for. But.
1: Well, and to your point, Will, I think we have to be careful to make this distinction. And we're going to try to do that throughout the series. I think, Casey, you've done it well, too, is that, that like there's a difference just between online and accelerated. Like what we're talking about here is not, they're not right. identical. They're not like there's, and I think that's an advantage, a huge advantage to some of like online programs is that you can do them while being in your field, especially for master's degrees. I think that's mm-hmm. helpful. You can do it while you're in your field in a way that some of the traditional face-to-face classes create difficulties when you're working a nine to five job and have to be like, Hey, I need to be out twice a week to go to this class. I hope that's okay. Okay. Um, (laughs) I know you're paying. Yeah, that's (laughs) one, that's
2: one of the huge pros of online education and online learning is the flexibility and the no like specific class time, class meeting time. It, It is, you know, here's just all the work you have to do this week and you get it done when you can on, you know, you, you are super responsible for setting your own work structure and making it happen which was fine for me because I was homeschooled seventh through 12th grade. So pretty much all of my education life has been like teaching myself how to do things and like creating my own structure. Yeah, so I was like, great, this is what I'm used to. Um, So I do appreciate that flexibility aspect because yeah, I could never go back to school. If I had to be in a physical classroom on some campus somewhere an hour away from my house, three times a week or two times a week right. working full time. There's no way I could do that. There have been some like mandatory Zoom calls for each class, but even those haven't been a lot. I sort of wish we had more face-to-face Zoom class time.
0: You're already stuck in an accelerated course where you're doing so much so quickly and, and you've got no time to waste and you and you have to sit there for an hour or an hour and a half and, and listen to that. You know, yeah. So. Um, while that's a big waste of time, we want to make sure we pivot to something that will save you time. Right. (laughs) And, uh, Casey does everybody, everybody we bring on this, this show has to bring with them. It's like show and tell, you know, uh, an, an app or a consideration for us to like, you know, offer up to the folks. Now, the exciting thing about today's tool, Casey's suggestion is that it's a throwback for us. It's literally Canva. Which was episode one of the high tech podcast, Casey? Why why is Canva your go to app?
2: Canva's amazing. I use Canva in my day job, not in my master's education. So sure, I want to sure. say that upfront. Although you could, I could, could. I could easily I've done use it Canva. It's great. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I could choose to use Canva to do some school assignments, um, but. There seems to be a big thing with the universities requiring you to use the oh. programs that they have built into their platform sure. or that they, yeah. you know, whatever. They they have already cleared. So I, I pretty much use, you know, Microsoft Office for everything school related because it's built into my account with my university. Um, so in my day job, I found Canva several years ago, probably three three years ago or so. My day job, my organization is a very small nonprofit, you know, an annual budget of around half a million dollars, which is small. Okay. If you don't know anything about nonprofits, (laughs) 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 Um, it's pretty rare that a nonprofit has an annual budget of a million dollars or more. That is like... 5% 5% of all wow. nonprofits. Ooh, wow. Crazy. Yeah. The vast, vast majority of nonprofits have an annual budget of under $500,000. Dang. So we're actually considered like a mid sized nonprofit because we're not $0 to $499 in the <laughs> annual budget. Yeah. So we have limited resources, a small staff. There's only three full-time staff members, including me. Um, within the last year, we hired a part-time staff member specifically for marketing and communications. Oh, great. So once oh. we brought on that person, they kind of took over Canva and do most of the things in Canva. And I don't have a lot of hands-on work with it Day to day anymore. But initially, I did. I found Canva for our organization because we were trying to create, you know, flyers and posters and anything to do with graphic design. We were doing that in Microsoft Word. And we had an old version of Microsoft (laughs) Word. Like, I think it was 1997. Did it it still have Clippy?
0: (laughs) Did Clippy come up and give you suggestions? It
2: was just beyond Clippy. Just after. Yeah, 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 it was, like, the version after Clippy. Um, So it was not the most modern version of Word in any way, shape, or form. And none of us were graphic designers or really had any marketing experience or training. So trying to create materials that looked good right. and professional right. and were clear for just advertising classes, advertising concerts, recitals, all of that kind of stuff. Um, it just kind of always looked like the work that I was producing when I was thirteen in <laughs> middle school <laughs> onward. So we were looking for something that could give us a higher quality level. And um, there was a lot of like complaining about it in the office. So one day I was just like, guys, there has to be a better program out there in the world. It's 2018 (laughs) at the time. I'm just going to Google it. So I seriously spent like 15 minutes just Googling and going down a click rabbit hole, looking for user-friendly graphic design and marketing programs. And that's how I stumbled across Canva. And after like five minutes on their website, I was like, wow, this looks beautiful and seamless. Okay, how much does it cost? Like this looks too good to be true. The big question
0: of high tech as well, right? Is this free or not?
2: Exactly, (laughs) yes. We are all about the freemium.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag not a sponsor. Yes,
2: yeah. (laughs) And I discovered, thankfully, Canva puts good information on their website, and they pretty clearly advertise that they offer a free premium account, like truly a premium account for nonprofits. That's awesome. You just had to go through a couple of jumps and hoops to submit paperwork to them, your EIN number, tax exempt status, all of that stuff. Um, So I did that process with Canva, and it was really, it was actually really quick. It was like within a week. We had an answer from them and we were set up with a premium account for free. Um, And we've been using it ever since. And it really blew my director's mind, my executive director, when I was first showing our other staff members what it was and how to use it. Like the click and drag template model. Oh, my gosh.
1: You use it um, every week, right, Every Uh, day. (laughs) Every Canva runs our pod. We run our podcast. We make this joke constantly through only a couple apps. And Notion and Canva are the two primaries. Uh, But we also now have adopted it at our institution. Like, my team uses it for all images across our courses. We have, like, you're talking about drag-and-drop templates, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you got into that, but you can create your own templates out of that stuff. And so we created our own templates yes. for all of our courses, dimensions and things. And it's literally just drag and drop images into the right spots. And our team can upload images across all courses. If, if you were to
0: see the work, the courses that Josh's team is a part of devel- developing, oh, I would you would to. cry. <laughs> you would probably cry thinking about what your faculty and, and, and experiences have been in your canvas. Because oh, I've boy. seen the stuff that he does and I cry because it's so much better than any of the work that i was ever a part of
2: josh the amount of bad clip art from like 1995 that i have seen in canvas that was posted by professors is shocking
1: it's horrifying yeah
2: and now in the professor's
1: defense that's like to your program that's a place that they probably don't support the professors in there and they don't know so like they they they're dragging word art in right but to your point and i think like to to kind of wrap this piece up and kind of get to why I, I like that you're suggesting Canva, why we picked it as our first app that we used when we, you know, all those, all those months ago in the high tech podcast was just but a dream. Um, and we, <laughs> we uh, did it is that Canva, I think it does a solid job of creating an app that allows people to create pictures and images that, is not complicated like it's user-friendly that even like Mm -hmm. an instructor could pick it up they could and their work by the end of it makes it look like they know what they're doing graphic design wise when in reality they were just like ooh, these four things look cool i'll drag and drop and canva helps give them a a starting place so i think that piece is just like yeah why i would love to just keep hammering away at canva and i'm glad you picked it as an app because it's uh if adobe is listening user-friendly folks (laughs) that's all i'm saying canva's growing because they do that.
2: it's amazing. It's so easy. I don't consider myself the most like tech savvy person. I'm pretty good. I'm better than most boomers, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm nowhere near like the level of Gen Z as a six year old. Like my nieces right. and nephews right. who are eight, like the way they can navigate an iPad is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but Canva is like, I could teach it to anyone So, so fast. And I love that they have um, the branding aspect in it. Like you can set your brand colors for your organization, your school, if you were using it in that context. Um, You can upload your own images. So like for my, my work, I uploaded our logo, our school logo, I programmed in like some of our standard brand colors and it's so easy to share designs between team members within your organization, too. Yeah, yeah. Which is amazing. I've seen that,
0: too, like in some of the stuff I've used it on with some with some professional networks and stuff. It's like you get these folders and stuff. You can do this guy's team, and you can go yeah. in there and find everything else. And then I can just go back to my dashboard. It's like, ah, oh, here's all my stuff. I don't have to look at all their stuff all the time or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, really it's really
2: helpful for organizing projects and making things visible or not visible. Um, it's it's such a great program. We use it all the time at work, and I wish higher ed would use it a little bit more.
0: Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, and that's why that's why we bring it forward, right? We want to make sure that the uh, the tools that are out there um, to be used. And you know, it's freemium, right? You know, it's free for nonprofit. I I know we had mm-hmm. the details in the original episode. Do you remember? Is it free? It's not free for higher education, right? You um, guys are paying for. Well, it?
1: they were at one point, but that's changed. I would have to look back because they've been changing so okay. much recently. Um, yeah, everybody but is. The, the key with Canva is that like for the average user like a faculty member or somebody the free version is more right, than enough right. it's like because the stuff that you're doing or i'm doing is often because we also have like a team of people that we're using it with and so we want to take advantage of yes. the team features which you need the premium account for but they used to have they are definitely free for k12 but uh i think they changed their higher ed stuff a while back because of the way their focus went um yeah
2: yeah. yeah, I just I know someday they're gonna change their rules around nonprofits and they're gonna take that free hey, <laughs> premium just, account just away hope, from us.
0: Hope that you get grandfathered in. Like that, I hope they, so. I was a member yeah. back in the when the dark ages were were there. Like please yeah. keep me. Don't, yeah. don't me But over. I mean, at
2: this point, we love the program so much and we use it every day. Yeah. Like if you could if you look it. at my school's website, social media, email marketing, everything you see was made in Canva. <laughs>
1: everything (laughs) yeah 100 and i will say just for those listening like their their team accounts and their premium stuff is not bad either it's like 11 bucks i think is what they were at like seven maybe per month and they have like obviously a deal if you bought yearly um yeah but it's not bad for what they do there's so much that you can do in that tool that that i would i'd give them all my money quite frankly i'm so embedded deeply in what they do that i would hand it yeah it's so worth (laughs) it
2: and even if you have only the free account If you like an image you see or you're working on a template and you find some sort of, even if it's like a clip art thing, um, that you want to add to the design you're creating, most of the time it's a dollar. You know, like you can purchase a premium quote-unquote. You can stay free but like buy pieces that you want to use. Yeah, they let you like pull, if you really love an image or a template or something, a prefab design you can buy that premium one that you may have found across for a dollar. That's great. So.
0: Well, um thank you Casey, yeah, so much. This so has much. been a fantastic conversation. Again, this is a, you know, episode 2 in our accelerated learning <laughs> series. Yeah. I believe, two. Um, you know, <laughs> Josh and I do these things all over the place. Like we've recorded, we still have episodes coming out in 2022 that we recorded in 2021. Wait, I don't know where the time is, but um, we're just so excited. And of course, this is just one thing that has been critical in your life recently. I hear a lot about it. I, Mm -hmm. I, feel for you good luck hold tight uh but if there's there's definitely other things that maybe like music education stuff we can have you back for we look we, we hope yeah. that would be some fun stuff in the future
2: yeah i i would love for you guys to do an episode that's just like all about discussion boards in online learning <laughs> again because and i again, and, and, again. And, again, yeah. and again and again and again and <laughs> again like specifically like accelerated higher ed discussion oh, boards yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. because i think that has been like one of the most frustrating parts of my program specifically. Um, yeah. I know I've offered like a lot of critique <laughs> or things that I didn't like or wasn't right. a good experience, but there have been good things and I'm the type of person that wants to offer a solution. Like, Mm. I don't want to just complain and complain about something. I believe that online education and accelerated higher ed programs can be better. I want them to be so much better. And I think what you guys are doing to have this discussion about how to make them better is super important. And I know you're going to get into more of that stuff in your other episodes. Um, So keep going. And I hope people listen to you because, man, it needs so much help. We do, too. We do, too. Yeah. We do too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. We need those solutions to make it better. That's
0: awesome. Thank you, Casey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We are going to wrap up here in just a second, Josh and I, and do a debrief. But uh, until then, hang tight.
1: Woo. So that was, a, that was a conversation. That was a, a whole lot of talking about accelerated learning um yeah i mean casey has that was that was that was uh that was a lot. maybe
0: we should have asked casey to be a part of this at the beginning of her master's degree but now that she's at yeah. the end right she's feeling all of the you know the full swell of of the experience yeah. i i i've <laughs> i might have had one or two conversations with her offline right that were um more heated but i think that was a very fair opinion right she's oh, yeah, dealing no, with these was, uh, things she's a she's a daytime a professional insight. she knows what it should be she knows how it could be because she does have a few courses that are like really excellent and faculty showing up and delivering on exactly what it needs to be but there are things that get missed and there's programmatic stuff that gets missed you know yeah. I, I, I get it it's it's really tough
1: yeah yeah i i uh again i think you see kind of coming out in this even the student once they get into the programs and again this is one example in the midst of an ocean of examples so we're not like saying we've done all this research but we we do have some experience with students that are very similar to what casey's gone through and i think it's you get into this program with an idea of like okay i'll get my stuff done quicker and then you realize oh like we're jamming all of this stuff in and i can't learn this stuff at the speed at which i would need to or like i'm skipping through content or and, and i do kind of feel like at a one end of things with especially talking to casey it feels like it's like there's a promise of you can learn this much in this time but the reality is the students don't necessarily understand what that means um and so when they get to it they don't have a practical conception of what it means to learn 14 weeks worth of content in eight or six weeks and uh yeah, well, and I, I just it's a shame in the midst while
0: of that, while you're doing your day job. So, I mean, I'm just going to kind of walk through the narrative of of becoming an accelerated learning program student. Right. While you're doing your day job and you're seeing your friends on Tuesday nights and you go to your volunteer stuff on Thursday nights and when whatever it is that your life is. Right. It doesn't feel like a lot to like, oh, I'm going to take on courses. That's no big deal. Like I'm going to add yeah. something into my life. I can do that Monday nights and, and around Wednesday nights. But then you get into the first accelerated course, it takes over almost all of those things that you do. Oh, yeah. Right? And and suddenly, because you have a full-time job, there's no time to do it except Tuesday night when you usually saw your friend and Thursday night when you used to volunteer and whatever. Yeah. Like You have to do it at nights, and it, and it consumes you. I think accelerated would be perfectly fine if people weren't employed. Yeah, you could do an accelerated program <laughs> yeah. in eight weeks. No, but no problem.
1: But that undercuts the entire purpose of it to a right. certain extent. Because like we most, market it to well, not the all full-time employee person. Most, but we market it to the full-time, yeah, to the full-time employee. I think the other thing I'd like to just, like, jump in there and I think comes out of what you're talking with Casey. Casey's example is pretty specific, too. Like, so let's rewind back to episode one of the accelerated series when we're talking to Justin, right? And you remember we're talking to Justin and talking about, okay – so we 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 trashed a bit on the accelerated thing for a little while right so like and we, but we came back around we brought back around like professionals to like what what would it look like if you're in a situation where you have to design an accelerated course with SLOs from a 14 you know bigger course how would you try to remedy some of the craziness and notice what we kind of came down on with Justin which was kind of this um standard like standard structure there's time to reflect not overloading them with too many activities if you're gonna do a group activity do one and it's scaffolded throughout the entire course uh, but being careful not to add to the cognitive load that the student's already going to be experiencing by trying to learn something that was designed for longer than eight weeks originally and is now condensed in case's experience like she has the opposite of basically everything Justin said. Like, okay, like it's the, it's not it's not structured consistently from course to course. There's no time to reflect on things. There's no um. There's too many different things going on at the time. It's not organized and clean. You remember Justin talked about like interface design yep. to a certain extent, like how you put the text together, the white space, putting things all in the same area, organizing things clearly. Casey stuff not organized clearly right there's no time to reflect was it she's having multiple group activities and discussions in a singular week like there's there's this point of like this is what happens when people ignore people like Justin and <laughs> us. I'll throw us in the category. Cause I would was say it, I, I agree um, with Justin's perspective
0: after we recorded with her that we brought up like some examples of what canvas could look like from your side. Right? Oh yeah, And then she's looking yeah, at it I opened she's up like, one
1: of our courses and I'm not using us as the golden example no, either. No, like no. that came out of like a long time and there's still a bunch of stuff I wouldn't, I would redo about what we did. But she was
0: just looking at it. Like I wish my canvas pages had any of these elements. Right. But yeah, uh, How, I mean, I don't mean to say it in a bad way, but like it's almost condemning, except that we know that every institution is where they are. And I hope that uh, the encouragement here would be that folks can hear the opportunities and just look to improve things. And and my, my shtick always as a designer, when I was meeting with a faculty member was, if you believe you need to redo your entire course, what's the one thing you want to do this semester? right? I, I never had design timelines. When I worked as a designer, I didn't have nine months to work with somebody. Like almost all the stuff that I did with faculty was like a month ahead of the semester. And they would come to me and be like, oh, I need to redo my entire course. So I would come back to them and be like, what's the one thing you want to improve? And if you're listening to this and you're a little discouraged about your accelerated program or, or the fact that you might be teaching it, just bring that same attitude and listen to those, those things that Justin was offering as good ideas or to these these things that Casey's oh, yeah. up against as, as pain points and say, I'm not going to do that one thing. That could be enough to help yeah. uh, you and your students really improve the learning experience. Now, at a programmatic level, go advocate with your department chairs, your program chairs to, uh, you know, really turn things yeah. around.
1: Well, I would say even at a program level, you could choose... Like if you're already doing accelerated learning and it's not going well or you have a casey situation like choose the one thing that you could pick to at least help alleviate some of that right like there's a whole list of changes we just recently went through this where we were revising a bunch of things and there's a whole list of changes we wanted to do we only picked a handful of things um, because we couldn't make all those changes all at once i think the key is just identifying what the struggles are going to be in an accelerated learning area identifying that it's not the perfect environment let's just accept it okay Let's accept it for what it is. It's not the perfect learning environment. I think that's becoming very clear. Okay? And now, if you have the choice to not go that direction, I have an opinion on the direction you should go, which is in an opposite way. Um, But, uh, like, don't go towards the accelerated, maybe. But if you don't and you've made this choice for certain reasons, and in institutions' defenses, um, the, the demand is been pushing that direction as much as students can complain about accelerated learning. I also think it's a two way street. There's been a demand for faster learning. Um, so institutions are trying to meet that demand, but either way, I think what, be taken away from this is be that this is not the perfect environment. So let's accept and find the ways that we can help to I think at the core of what Justin was talking about in episode one and what we see the byproduct of going with Casey is that at the end of the day, if we can reduce the cognitive load in this course, that's the big win. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I feel like at the end of the day with Casey's situation, there were a lot of things contributing to it. But what it really comes down to is cognitive load on a on a high scale and that's where the frustration sit. Now for her it's because the faculty aren't trained and so they got lots of random <laughs> canvas courses. Right, it's right. All a mixture There's of a lot things, of but it's all adding to create this cognitive load problem that Justin talked about in episode one. And so I think that's kind of the thing that's for me keeps kind of showing up as an as an issue. With that said, um wrapping up this episode, just remember to check us out online on Twitter, as we mentioned before um, at High Tech Podcast and checking us out at hi- our website hightechpod.us. Um, excited to continue this series of accelerated learning. We're not done yet. There's more to say. Um, and so excited for our next episode, um, where we're going to talk to a prospective student and their. Uh, opinions on what they'd be looking for and things like that so super excited for that conversation to check that out until then thank you again for joining us another week as we continue to learn how to harness that technology uh, in the classroom whether online or in person see ya see ya